Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podman, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Audible, Stitcher, Double Twist. Thank you once and always for downloading and listening to the show. It is a great pleasure to be back on board with you once again today as we will focus on Wildcard Weekend in a lot of ways. But of course, also, (laughs) the main focus of this show is the continued Minnesota Vikings general manager and coaching search and such, the candidates and such. Try to get some opinions out there. Um, It's going to be a two-segment show. So the first segment will be Minnesota Vikings conversation, Vikings-centric and then, of course, second segment will be Wildcard Weekend with Fan Interaction merged together. So it's going to be kind of a togetherish type of deal in that sense. We have multiple candidates for the general manager and coach. It's interesting that they're interviewing both at the same time. Kind of makes it confusing and kind of disorienting a little bit. Because, I don't know, unless they're kind of interviewing possible GM candidate favorites. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird and complicated, but uh, <laughs> but they're candidates nonetheless. They would be candidates probably for most general managers out there, I would hope, especially a, a couple of guys that I would really like to uh, come to Minnesota. Guys, one of them is in his 30s, one of them in his early 40s that I would really like to see coming to Minnesota. Yes, both offensive coordinators, even though a defensive coach might be okay. Um, Minnesota has a long history of offensive coaches. Uh, Norm Van Brocklin, offensive. Bud Grant, offensive. Les Steckel was something. I'm not sure what he was. Um, <laughs> Jerry Burns, offense. Dennis Green, offense. Pete Carroll would have been defense. That was Dennis Green. That was the finals of Dennis Green. Mike Tice, offense. Uh, let's say Brad Childress, offense. Uh, Leslie Frazier, defense. Oh, wow, defense. Yeah, what defense? <laughs> Mike Zimmer, defense. Yes, defense, and then it ended poorly. So we'll see. It's probably going to be an offensive coach, but you never know. Let's look at the possible uh, coordinators. First, uh, excuse me, general manager candidates, excuse me, coordinators, that's a long ways away. (laughs) We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, This is fan post, or should we say CC Norseman on fan post? Kind of an interesting combination, uh, the idea. So I want to cite who wrote it at the end of the day, just to be fair, uh, and who kind of put things together. I can't just say, I'm the guy, you know? No, I'm not the guy. Um, I'm here to more comment than to say break news or necessarily put things together. Monty Ossenfort, who apparently, well, I guess he's on top of their list, which probably wasn't a bad idea. Um, has a tenure with incredibly high winning percentage. Yeah, part of a Super Bowl winning 20, 2003 Patriots team. And after joining a disappointing Texans team during the uh, 04 and 05 seasons, rejoined the Patriots in 06 and has been part of their dynasty through 2019. Very interesting. So he's definitely a guy to be uh, on board there. And he joined the Titans, which, again, probably makes sense when you talk about Mike Vrabel and all that stuff. And they've been very good since then. He's at the Tennessee Titans at the moment. Monty Ossenfort, definitely an established guy. and This sounds like a good one. Uh, his overall win percentage, as he's been a major part of the NFL, 74.6 in 19 years. So he's got the experience. He's got the victories. He's got all kinds of stuff. So pretty damn cool to be quite fair. Um, so how many Super Bowls? We're talking 03 and then three more after that. He's got four Super Bowl championships during his time with teams in the NFL. It doesn't mean he's the main, main cog for it, but uh, he's a big, he's a big part of it. Uh, Monte Austin for it. Sounds like a good one. And I think so too. Elliot Wolf, Elliot Wolf. He's, he's been working with the Packers for much of the later Favre and Rogers years. Uh, <laughs> He's been learning from that winning organization. The winning percentage is 575. Again, this is, again, citing at, uh, courtesy of fan post slash uh, 
Daily Norseman. He left the Packers after twenty uh, after twenty seventeen. Spent two bad years with the Browns, so we'll see. And then he moved on to the Patriots the past two seasons in their transition post Tom Brady. And of course, again, they've done a good job together. Him and Austin Ford, believe it or not, yeah. Well, Austin Ford wasn't there anymore. He moved to the Titans, which is interesting. But again, yeah, did a good job. Uh, did a good job being a part of the Patriots, helping kind of rebuild a team that was depleted a bit for obvious reasons. So, interesting possibility. Ryan Rolls, uh, winning percentage right above 60. He's worked with the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs, yep, interesting possibility. Second highest winning percentage on the list. 13 years of NFL experience. Uh, we'll go back to Elliot Wolf. <laughs> Elliot Wolf, that sounds very familiar. The Wolf, you know, like, yeah, Ron Wolf and all that. 18 years for Elliot. 13 years for Ryan Poles. Did I call him Rolls? Ryan Poles. Yeah, what's wrong with me? Ryan Polies, <laughs> Polies. I am so sorry. I am just goofball. Um, but yeah, he's had some success with Kansas City. No, no doubt about it. Thirteen years in the NFL, and of course, Kansas City's been fantastic. This and that. Uh, is any any part of identifying the the, the uh, a certain quarterback? I I hope so. That's what the Vikings need in a big way. Um, It's it's important. It's definitely important, and he has been with the Chiefs the whole time. The Chiefs have generally been a successful franchise, just no championships until you know 2019. So, and obviously good for them. Good for them that they were able to get it, and they're they're a team that could be a you know they could be a dynasty. I don't think they will be, but it's possible. And obviously, did a good job putting pieces together, helping helping put pieces together in Kansas City. 13 years in the NFL. John Spytek. John Spytek. A lot of people like, just the name itself is really cool. Winning percentage, 533, 17 years in the National, in the National Football League. <laughs> Dennis Green. Okay, sorry. <laughs> God, God rest his soul. Uh, third most experienced of all these guys. Spent time with four different franchises, and that's the most of the group. Of, um, high, winning percentage, 533. Again, that's not too bad. He was three seasons on a bad Browns group from 2010 to 2012. Colt McCoy, Brandon Whedon. Oof. Uh, okay. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> in, the, in the three years, were, uh, if those three years were admitted, though, his winning percentage would jump to 58.4, or third highest out of this group. He was part of the Eagles during 05 to 09. McNabb's final year is oh goody. But, you know, they went to the Super Bowl in 2000. They went to a conference championship, excuse me, in 2008. They didn't go to the Super Bowl. They went to the conference final, got beat by Arizona, but yeah, you know. Uh, the Browns, the Broncos, excuse me, won the Super Bowl in 13. He was a part of that, 2013 to 15. Broncos got to the Super Bowl in 13 and won it in 15. What's wrong with me <laughs> during those Peyton Manning years? Now finds himself in the Bucks. So yeah, he's been a part of the uh, Bucks. So he's worked with basically legendary quarterbacks uh, in the later stages of their career. Both of them have at least one Super Bowl. Uh, in their late stages of their career. So, interesting, interesting. He's a possibility. Um, he's worked with some of the best and worst quarterbacks in NFL history. Yeah, no doubt. Brandon Brown. Brandon Brown, seven years in the NFL, 53.5 win percentage. Interesting. Um, he's been with the Colts and with uh, during Andrew Luck's tenure, and they were pretty good during that time. The Eagles, Carson Wentz. And and now with the Eagles still apparently, so he's been with a couple of franchises that have had some success. It's a possibility. 
I don't know. I, I don't think he's high on the list, but maybe he woos them, maybe uh, blows them away. Glenn Cook is number six. Looks like there's eight candidate possibilities. Glenn Cook, 11 years in the league, 48.1 winning percentage. Uh, he was involved with the Colts when Peyton Manning left uh, left of the injury. Was had, had the neck injury in 2011. Part of the Browns since uh, 16. But they've definitely done well. That's where Cook might be interesting, as all the Browns definitely got better. They put some interesting pieces together. Um, if they had a quarterback with a better head on his shoulders, Cleveland Browns would probably be way up there. Uh, some people would disagree with well, about Kevin Stefanski as the coach. I, I like Kevin Stefanski. I don't love him. I think he could have been, uh, I don't know. It's just a bummer. I think, you know, better quarterback. But it is what it is. Hey, and, well, they took him. They had the number one pick in the draft, the Cleveland Browns, and took him. Um, so there's that. Uh Oh, man. And he was part of the... His first season with Cleveland was that winless run. Oh, my. Ah, that sucks. <laughs> ah, that's funny. Yep, and they made the playoffs three years later. Just barely missed the playoffs the past year. Yep. Um, well, he's a possibility. 11 years in the NFL. And he's getting close to being... Yeah, he's, he's, he's at that stage of his career where, yeah, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to be a general manager. Um a part of three franchises. He was with the Packers in 2012 to 15. They were good all those years. They made the playoffs. Um, one win season, yep, and the Colts were really bad. The suck for luck season and all that. But yeah, he was a part of the, the luck era. He was part of that. So And of course, improving the Cleveland Browns. So, interesting possibility. Kwesi Adovo Manessa. Well, alright. Cool. Rolls right off your tongue. Part of the 49ers. 49ers. 47.6 winning percentage. San Francisco's had some success. Uh, nine years in the NFL for KAM. Let's just call him Cam, I guess. <laughs> yep. Um, he's one of the few candidates without any direct football experience prior to being hired by the 49ers in 2013. Winning percentage, yeah, it's lower out of the group. Uh, he's an analytics guy, so that's interesting. Um, analytics, you know, there's been pluses and minuses with, the, with that stuff. Sometimes it's, I mean, look at the Twins. They win 101 games. They lead baseball all time in home runs. And then ever since, well, crickets, man. I mean, it's not been good. So, and they haven't found a pitcher, the Twins. That's analytics in baseball. Baseball, I think they've gone way overboard with the analytics. They've gone too far. Um, the shifts and all that. It's a little overblown and taking pictures out and all that. Football, it's not as bad, but at the same time, it can get tiring. Sometimes the eye test is okay. Um, look at the two coaches in the Super Bowl last year, Andy Reid and Bruce Arians. Well, hello. Um, Sean McVay versus Bill Belichick. Old Krusty versus young analytical uh, whiz, whatever. Who, wants, who won the game? You know, so there's stuff like that. It's important. It's important to note that. Uh, it's important to note that it is. So some of the analytics stuff might be a little bit overblown. Maybe he's he's one of those possible moves where it's a it's a it's a swinger. It's a it's a trying to hit a home run, but you might strike out that kind of thing. So we'll see. Uh, getting a double might be okay too, and uh, maybe that double could turn into a home run with some of these other candidates. And here's the ultimate uh, possible swing and miss slash home run. You never know. A female candidate, ladies and gentlemen, coming from the Eagles, 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 Eagles. Only three years in the NFL. I think it's a little too early, but that's just me. Catherine Reichie. Catherine Reichie. Winning percentage, 45.9. The Eagles, 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 as Dylan Richardson would call them, founder of the thesportshelf.com, which unfortunately is no more, but uh, that's what got me going into podcasting. 
Thank you once and always, Dylan Richardson, though I'm sure he's not listening. Out of Northern California. Interesting. Yeah, definitely a newcomer to the NFL. Three years of experience. She comes from Montreal, Quebec. Montreal, Montreal. Uh, she's she spent years in the CFL with Mon with the Montreal Alouette, Dante Alouette, and the Toronto Argonauts. All right, the Argonauts and the Alouettes. All right, um, magnifique. Uh, that's magnifique, I guess. Um, <laughs> she's eighth overall due to lack of experience. Yeah, and and I agree with that choice. That, I agree with that eighth overall. Give her an interview, see what she's like. And I don't know. Um, if she gets it, that's great. I'm afraid, though, about getting a little cute here. I'm afraid about getting a little cute, trying to be the first team to do this, do that. And, you know, the if we whiff, we are we're, we're in big trouble. I am not sexist. Um, but at the same time, I'm not like, you got to do it. You got to do it. This, it's time. It's time. It's time. You know, I'm not a big fan of all that it's time stuff. It, it, it's time if you earn it. You know, and if she blows them away and she's absolutely the greatest, so be it. So be it, Jedi. So be it. And that would be great. Maybe she is a Jedi. <laughs> Maybe she is. <laughs> we'll see what happens. So be it, Jedi. <laughs> uh, Madi Asin Ford, that would be, he's, he's one of the top choices. But for me, I I don't know. I am not <laughs> a genius when it comes to general managers because you just don't know. They all sound interesting the backgrounds and such. I mean, Monty Ford, he'd be top two for me. Elliot Wolf. Oh, God. It's so hard to say. I mean, you get guys that they come in at miracle points. See, Spy Tech, cool name, 17 years of experience, which is nice. The whole, you know, like riding the coattails of legendary quarterbacks. I, I just don't know. And he was, you know, I, I don't know. Um, Ryan Poley's Oh, interesting, interesting. I mean, they've done a good job in Kansas City getting guys in the roster. I think I go with Polies or Austin Fort. Elliot Wolf is a strong third. Those are my those are my top three. But I bring Polies probably ahead of Wolf because Green Bay has had they've been great with the quarterback and everything, you know. But that, that's kind of lucky, you know. It's kind of lucky. And obviously, bad, a couple bad years with the uh, the Browns. But well. Elliot Wolf, obviously, there's pieces in Green Bay. They've done a good job, generally speaking, but that was in the later stages. He's been with the Patriots lately. And again, they have done a good job putting that franchise back together, picking up the pieces and getting back into the postseason. Elliot Wolf is in the conversation. I think Polis is number two, and Austin Fart's number one. Those are my three top choices. At the end of the day, uh, I mean, it's so hard to say. Brandon Brown, interesting. Cook, I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. Uh, K-A-M, I, I don't know about him either. The analytics stuff, I mean, again, that's another, you're swinging for a home run, maybe you'll get it. Maybe you'll get it. He's, he's been with a pretty good 49ers organization, but they had some crappy seasons. Uh, Garoppolo's injury prone, he's mediocre, and it's not like his fault that Garoppolo is injury prone and inconsistent. Catherine Reichie's interesting. It's an interesting thought, and hey, you know, give her the interview. Yeah, don't say, get out of my office. Give her the interview, and don't just do it to, to pander. Do it to actually be serious about an interview. See what she's really like, and if she blows you away, so be it, Jedi. Um... I'm kind of leaning towards Ryan Polis just for the sake of, uh, well, let's see what you can do. And, you know, I mean, and obviously I'm not in the room hearing what their vision is for the franchise because I think that's a big part. I think if you 
really want to keep Kirk Cousins and all that, that kind of scares me a little bit. I mean, it doesn't kill me, but if you really want to have a vision of winning in the draft without uh, accumulating, you know, like building through the draft without accumulating 750 late-round picks, I think you're, uh, I think you're at very least an improvement for where you've been. Um, I mean, they're obviously not all idiots. Most of them are not idiots. Some of them are just okay, though, and you want the right guy. Again, Austin Fort, Wolf, Polis, I, I think that is the, the right top three, but I'll put Polis number two. Austin Fort is probably the safest pick. Uh, I love the win percentage. I love the experience. Might end up being fantastic. But um, Polis, give him a shot. That's another guy I would consider. Spy Tech, it's like, I don't think so. Maybe. Again, maybe he blows you away, but that's kind of where things go there. Let's move on to the coaches. It's interesting. I mean, it's fun to look at. Well, there's Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator who apparently is a bastion of positivity, which sometimes is overrated, but in some cases, he didn't sound all that fake and rah-rah. He doesn't, he's not P.J. Fleck. You know, P.J. Fleck is a little too much. P.J. Fleck is a college coach, and that's it. P.J. Fleck would get laughed out of the room in the NFL. They'd be like, what the hell? You know, what the hell, man? Um, and there was a coach that was even too much in college that got laughed out of the room. That was, uh, was it two coaches ago, three coaches ago, I guess, for the Gophers, since, uh, <laughs> uh, what's-his-face had a, had one season as a coach of the uh, Gophers. But um, <laughs> old, uh, I don't even, uh, Basement Brew, you know? Yeah, that guy. He was basement, like bottom of the, yeah, he was bad. Um, he was a bad coach. Uh, he was just too too rah-rah and had no substance. Where P.J. Fleck has substance underneath the rah-rah. And, of course, the row of the boat, is, is there's a real-life thing to that. So I applaud him for that. Um, I don't agree with probably everything he would say. I don't probably probably don't agree with his views of the world either. At least not some of them. Um, but that's how it goes. Uh, that's everybody, I'm sure. But uh, Nathaniel Hackett, he sounds genuine. He sounds genuine. I like him. Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator. And if Aaron Rodgers likes him, because Aaron Rodgers, if you were just kind of a phony baloney, rah-rah goofball, I think Aaron Rodgers, just look at him. Just look at Aaron Rodgers' facial expressions. Does he look like the kind of guy that would take a PJ Flex seriously? Just, you, you know, I mean, seriously. That's a serious question here. Would Aaron Rodgers take PJ Flex seriously, or would he just be like, you know, get 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 out of here, dude. You're weird. Uh, plus, he'd probably hate him because he wants to run the ball too much, him being P.J. Fleck. So Nathaniel Hackett is way at the top of the list for me. 42 years of age, he's about six months younger than uh, uh, pa- Purple Mafia host Paladino Joey or Joey Awajin. He's about five to six months younger than me, so 42, 42. Welcome to the 42 Club, Nathaniel. Nate Hackett. Um, they've also asked to interview Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive coordinator Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles, no, Bowles, of course. He's done a damn good job with Tampa. I mean, heck, I mean, uh, look, look at that Tampa defense. And, of course, again, it's pieces. It's really good pieces, but still, they've done a damn good job. Uh, they got it done. They won the Super Bowl and all that. And uh, he was with a, an organization with the Jets that were just a complete dumpster fire. Um, but, again, if you're a good coach, eventually that dumpster fire has got to turn around a little bit, right? Um, 
if you're a good coach, you can turn a dumpster fire around, can't you? So that, that's the one fear I have. Uh, Aaron Henderson said if the Vikings hired him, Aaron Henderson, former Viking linebacker, said if the Vikings hire Todd Bowles, he's out. But there's definitely a history between those two that's not good, unfortunately. Aaron Henderson, former New York Jet as well. Uh, it just wasn't good. So we'll see. Todd Bowles is probably not high on my list, even though he is a qualified, very good defensive coordinator defensive head coach possibility. It wouldn't kill me if the Vikings hired him, and it's just, you just hope for the best. I think it's a little risky. Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, well, you know, I mean, they've had some nice moments, and they've gotten their asses handed to them, too, defensively. Uh, You know, he wouldn't be at the top of my list, Um, but again, we'll see. We'll see if he blows them away. Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, who, uh, well, you know, I mean, He's had a prolific offense to work with, and he's done a good job with it. We can talk about, see, there there are two sides to the whole conversation about, well, you had all these players. So did Clint Kubiak. So did Mike Zimmer and Clint Kubiak. That's the other side of the equation. Sometimes the coordinator actually knows what they're doing. The other thing, too, Kellen Moore, and this will be brought up all over the place, podcasts and uh, local radio shows, uh, national shows, if Kellen Moore becomes head coach of the Vikings. Look at the job he did with, you know, Cooper Rush coming into U.S. Bank Stadium against a suppo- supposed great defense. Hell, obviously not. But, you know, look what, the, look, look what he did. He outsmarted us and made us look like idiots, quite frankly, on Halloween night. It was happy Halloween, and Kellen Moore was the trick and treat for the, for, uh, he was the trick. The Vikings were the trick, and Kellen Moore was the treat. Vikings defense, anyway. Kellen Moore. So, he is way at the top of my list of Nathaniel Hackett. Kellen Moore, Nathaniel Hackett at the top of my personal list. Los Angeles Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell. Obviously, he's done a fairly good job, but they've been a little inconsistent. He's a he's a name. He's an, he's an interesting name. He's a possibility, but does he blow me away? Not necessarily. San Francisco defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. Defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. He's, you know, I mean, <laughs> they've done a hell of a job. That defense is wonderful. And look what they did to Dallas, generally speaking. And they just keep getting better and better. I, I've loved the San Francisco defense the last few years. I think they're, they're a threat. They are a threat. They might even knock out the Packers. But uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um... And defense, Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. I mean, I, I think we've been there and done that. He's good. He's a good coach. He got his team to the Super Bowl, but we all know what happened when they took a 25-point lead, the Atlanta Falcons versus the New England Patriots. It, it just didn't work out. It, it didn't work out. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just didn't work out. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, and things got so stale and rotten in Atlanta. Two years, I mean, two years after that, C-17, they were still good, but they couldn't knock out the Eagles, so I'm a little bitter about that. Sorry for knocking stuff over here. I'm a little bitter about that, but that's life. I mean, we're all bitter about something, but uh, yeah, because I think the Vikings would have beaten the Falcons and went to the Super Bowl and, you know, been in trouble, I think, against Tom Brady and the Patriots. We probably would have been in trouble, but you never know. There was always that hope. Case Keenum versus Tom Brady. Hmm. I have no idea who would win that game. Yeah, I, I know. It sucks. Um, Ryan's is, uh, well, Bulls and Ryan's are black, so that's the Rooney rule and all that. That's the that's the cool part. Uh, and Ryan's has done it. I like him. I like him a lot with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I like him a lot, and I like the 49ers a lot. Wasn't that the coolest looking game yesterday with those two teams on the field? 
pretty cool. Um, I like Ryan's. You know, got, he's got a possibility. Kevin O'Connell and, and DeMarco Ryan's, uh, D'Amico, excuse me, Ryan's are two names that I, I wouldn't complain. I'd probably rather have either one of them versus uh, Jonathan Gannon or Todd Bowles, put it that way. Um, um, yeah, but for me, yeah, and then Dan Quinn's, you know, at the bottom, unfortunately. Dan Quinn and Bulls are probably at the bottom because of, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Dan Quinn is a better defensive coordinator than he is a, a head coach, in my opinion. Uh, he won a Super Bowl with Seattle, and that was a great defense. He did a great job, but, you know, been there, done that, that kind of thing. It, it's just, I, I don't know. God bless Dan Quinn. He probably will coach in the NFL again, quite possibly. But again, not at the top of my list. You never know. Maybe we'll get a, maybe we'll have a uh, breaking news that he's the head coach of the Vikings. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping it's uh, Nathaniel Hackett, frankly. Um, hell, and that would hurt the Packers too if if he's been that big of a positive for uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think that's a big That's a that'd be nice. Nathaniel Hackett would be my choice. Um, I was telling more 100%, and then and then I see more and more about Nathaniel Hackett, and I'm, I'm excited. Uh, but either one of them, I think, would make me very excited, very intrigued. But Kellen Moore, I mean, we don't know if he's a quote-unquote leader of men. And, of course, the way things finished up against the 49ers, it wasn't pretty. That's not good. So we'll see. Uh, Green Bay's obviously had issues uh, at times, but generally speaking, well, yeah, like look what happened versus Tampa. But then again, that was the defense more so than the offense. So you probably wouldn't want the Packers' defense uh, coordinator necessarily. <laughs> and Tom Brady just outsmarted all of them. Nathaniel Hackett is my head coach if uh, I am the Minnesota Vikings today, if I'm the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. Nathaniel Hackett, fellow Gen X, fellow young Gen Xer, because Gen X ended in like the early 80s, unfortunately. So, <laughs> so uh, yep, we're fellow young Gen Xers. He would be on board uh, as my head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. From everything I hear, I think he's the right guy for Minnesota. And again, it would actually hurt Green Bay too. So let's go that direction. In my humble, humblest of humble opinions, yes. With that, we'll take a quick break and let's look at postseason football after this. So on the Barstool Sports Pro Football Show this morning, if you want to go find it after you're done listening to us to babble about the Vikings uh, coaching search, it's at the 925 mark of the Barstool Sports Pro Football Show this morning mm-hmm. with Big Big Cat uh, and Dion Sanders is on that show. And Dion said he spoke with his friend Mike Zimmer earlier this week. And he said Zimmer and Spielman, quote, hadn't talked in months and it was just a downward spiral. And then in the next sentence, he said, if you look at the quarter, if you look at the coaches that got fired, what do they all have in common? Look at the quarterback play, he said. And now that was kind of framed as, you know, he's delivering his opinion, but he literally said it in the same breath as I just talked to Mike Zimmer. Right. And so, you know, again, the two headlines here are, according to Deion Sanders, conversation with Mike Zimmer, right. Spielman and Zimmer hadn't spoken to each other in months leading up to the firing. Yep. And I'm going to go ahead and guess that 
the quarterback comment wasn't just Dion that Mike Zimmer probably vented to his longtime friend Dion and said, I never wanted Kirk Cousins to begin with, and ultimately I was right four years ago. I just uh, couldn't make it work with him. Now, a lot of that's on Zimmer, too. He's your quarterback, dude. Like, maybe meet with him well, once before the fourth season. And he and, and, and Kirk Cousins begged Mike to, to meet and actually had to go back to him a second time this year before Mike agreed to it. Yeah. So, like, he, he literally said... Can, can we please meet? And Mike's like, yeah, I don't know. And then he had to go back and say, Mike, can we please yeah. meet? And Mike's like, okay, I'll do it once a week. Yeah. And isn't it interesting? I, I tweeted this that. earlier today. I, th- I think we should all make note of the people that buried their head in the sand that either cover the team it's or on the team. It's like yeah. that, that either actively tried to cover up for the fact that something was wrong or just like didn't want to hear any conversation that something might be right. wrong. Something was very obviously wrong with this team. Let's not hide from the truth. Let's find some solutions. Extra, extra, hear all about it. Extra, extra, hear all about it. Segment 1.5. So, of course, there's just, there's more Vikings conversation, so might as well keep it coming. (laughs) Might as well keep it coming. Uh, Extend the segment 1 into 1.5. Of course, uh, as you heard from Mackie and Judd there that uh, Deion Sanders mentioned uh, when he he and Mike Zimmer talked, uh, Zimmer claimed that uh, Spielman and Zimmer hadn't met in months. So there had been such a rift between the two that had been developing over the years and of course during the course of the season as well it's like they all kind of knew what was going on um you know the jobs were on the line and such so they were all kind of like every man for himself and they were totally against each other going in two different directions like the whole with Zimmer going all the way back to Norv Turner uh giving him a hell of a time uh Zimmer was just a really difficult person to deal with it's just a fact no matter how much PA gets offended about uh people mentioning it it's like who cares but um, it, it is what it is. Um, it is what it is. Uh, facts speak for themselves. Uh, of course, like we talked about Eric Kendrick saying how we, we don't want an organization that deals with, like, fear, basically. Like, you're afraid to do this, you're afraid to do that, and p- to piss off the coach and such. You know, fear running and, and all that. And, of course, uh, uh, Brian O'Neill talking about Zimmer wouldn't acknowledge him in the hallway. Uh, believe me, I go through that crap every day at work. It drives me nuts. But it is what it is. Uh, bosses, though, bosses do generally uh, acknowledge, and that's important. Just people in general, not friendly anywhere you go nowadays, which is annoying. And it's funny, it's usually the younger generation. That's the funny part. <laughs> that's the whole joke of it all. But, I don't know, I'll digress where I, back where I need to be. Uh, again, that they hadn't met in months, Zimmer and Spielman. And just more information coming out, again, over the course of time. Stuff that some of us didn't really realize uh, while, while it was happening, what was really the reason for this, the reason for that. Other people kind of could, could guess at the time as well, Norv Turner and Mike Zimmer, it just wasn't a match, and it really wasn't. Uh, Norv Turner, kind of a pass-centric, you know, offensive coordinator that was established. And Mike Zimmer kind of went behind uh, Norv Turner to consult with uh, Hugh Jackson, of all people, uh, saying, uh, should we really pass the ball as much? as we are, you know, because, you know, Hugh Jackson and all that offensive coach, head coach and coordinator, well, you know, didn't exactly have a good win-loss record, did he? That's the funny joke about it all. Um, kind of consulting, kind of almost like Parisian Suter going behind Mike Yo, the head coach of the Wild at the time, to uh, to work with uh, Adam Oates to, to, to work on the power play. Mike Zimmer kind of going behind Norv Turner to consult Hugh Jackson about, you know, offensive coaching schemes and such. 
and just there'd been a developing rift between the two for a while. Zimmer's just obsessed with running the frickin' ball and just playing it safe, run the ball, play it safe, run the ball, play it safe. And that's why him and Filippo didn't have a, a good repertoire at all, either uh, just between the two, uh, rapport, pardon me, between the two, he was never good, where Filippo was pretty much pass, pass, pass. We probably should have ran the ball more than Filippo had planned, but, I mean, it's just too extreme. Uh, maybe just adding it in a little bit with Filippo, but Zimmer was basically lambasting the guy behind the scenes and such, uh, and it got more and more public eventually, like in press conferences and such, and then, of course, Zimmer fired Filippo after the Seattle game in 2018, and the, the, the lambasting in the meeting, uh, according to Mackie and Judd and Ben Gessling and all them, was <clears throat> after a New York Jets game where the Vikings crushed that team pretty badly uh, at home in the U.S. Bank Stadium, crushed the New York Jets badly. And in turn, Nick Zimmer lambastes the guy, Filippo for not running the ball enough. That's, that's insane. It's just insanity. Um and then again, the the riff just kept building and building. And, well, you look at the the record, the scoring and all that. The Vikings didn't even score more than 24 points the rest of the season after Filippo was fired. So it's like, we just got to play it safe, play it safe, play it safe. Uh, we all like Kevin Stefanski. We all appreciate him. But again, uh, Filippo. I mean, the offense was kind of fun to watch. Even though it got a little one-sided and predictable the other, with the other extreme and such. It's just one extreme or the other when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings in their offense. But Mike Zimmer was just, I don't know, the most difficult guy probably that this team has had as a head coach, other than maybe Les Teckle and such. It was not a successful run with Mike Zimmer. Uh, it could have been. It could easily have been. Maybe if he was willing to work with people a little bit better. Uh, collaboration is a term that's been overused, no doubt about it. We heard about it religiously from Gerson Rosas, in May of 2019, when he was hired by the Minnesota Timberwolves, and last August, <laughs> last August 2021 here, just a little over two years later, it found out he was everything but a collaborator. He was a jackass. It was all about him and his his way or the highway. So, again, it's an overrated term, but again, some collaboration would be nice. It just seems to be a big problem in sports. We're all talking about collaboration and working together, and it doesn't seem to happen anywhere. In the workplace, it doesn't seem to happen at home sometimes, in some some families, I'm sure. And it sure as heck isn't happening in the sports world. So extreme frustrations behind the scenes that led to what's really taking place. That's led to this whole thing being blown to bits. Um, Spielman was more focused on more of a passing offense and such. And then helping Mike Zimmer's defense, of course, because they would work together with that. Now, both of them were in cahoots, apparently. There was a, uh, a video, both uh, Spielman and Zimmer were both in cahoots, like, yeah, we, we want Justin Jefferson. So they, there's a video out now where they were making fun of the Eagles for taking uh, Riggers to be, a, to, to be their wide receiver. And, well, Spielman and Zimmer were both right there. So that's good. That's good. So they both wanted Justin Jefferson. I did, too. So that was great. Yes, I'm a genius, right? No, I'm more lucky, but, I mean, no, I, I did like what I saw. No question about it. I did like what I saw. I like Riggers too, though. So it is what it is. It ended up being a lot of wide receivers, but Justin Jefferson ended up being the best out of those two. No question about it. Uh, stud receivers all over the NFL with uh, from from the 2020 draft, and we definitely appreciate what we get, what we got there. Um, but just fascinating information coming out 
Uh, basically, you go against Zimmer and he kind of comes after you one way or another. And, well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is it for him. Uh, I, he definitely will not be a head coach again. But who knows? Maybe he's going to get blackballed from here on uh, as we go forward. But even though he does have a skill set where he could definitely be a defensive coordinator somewhere. But I don't know. I don't know. As more and more comes out, it makes you wonder. Uh, Spielman was more correct in terms of, well, if you're going to bring in, you know, like he brought in Kirk Cousins. He was telling Zimmer basically, you know, as you read between the lines, that, well, the NFL is more about the passing game now. And Zimmer was basically like, screw you, running game. This and that. And that's how the rift developed was the whole Kirk Cousins signing. And then, of course, the DeFilippo and all that. And it, you know, and other rifts developed with the previous offensive coordinators. Pat Shermer was damn good. He was more of a balanced, though. I thought he was more of a balanced coordinator who would run the ball and pass the ball, though at the same time, again, Delvin Cook got hurt early, so he didn't run the ball as much anyway. But um, one way or another, Pat Shermer, I think, was the best fit overall, where you wouldn't overdo it and you weren't you weren't overly safe and you weren't overly uh, uh, aggressive either. So that's where I like Pat Shermer. I think he was probably my favorite offensive coordinator during the Mike Zimmer era. And funny, the Vikings went 13-3 and with the full season of Pat Shermer as the OC. Uh, but just very, very interesting, fascinating information that's been coming out. Uh, we'll continue to monitor that as we move forward. Thank you to <laughs> the Ben Gesslings, Phil Mackey's Judd Zolgads of the world, kind of commentating on it as well, and Deion Sanders mentioning, <laughs> Deion Sanders of all people, mentioning how, again, how Mike Zammer basically had not met with uh, Rick Spielman in months, which is not a good sign. It's just a pure, it's time to blow it all up. Uh, even though Spielman may have the better approach in terms of the passing game and all that stuff. But at the same time, he's still, you know, to have a good passing game, you got to have an offensive line to protect the quarterback to give him time to throw the ball down the field. So even if it's 20 yards versus, you know, 50 yards. So uh, again, both of them were flawed. Neither one of them should still be employed by the Minnesota Vikings. It was time to move on. Now we'll get to the postseason conversation. back here on Purple Mafia. Time to look around the NFL with the postseason and all that good stuff. It's nearing halftime for the LA Rams and Arizona Cardinals game. Of course, there's a reason why the show has been delayed until Monday night here um, because there's a Monday night game. Otherwise, you know, I could have done it Monday morning or Sunday night or blah, blah, blah. But, well, with the Rams up 21 nothing and the Cardinals offering just about zero resistance, Kyler Murray's looking like Trent Dilfer. Matthew Stafford, well, he, you know, <laughs> I would say it's the Rams' defense making Kyler Murray look bad more than, uh, say, Matthew Stafford being great. Matthew Stafford's just, you know, he's hitting he's hitting receivers that are catching the ball, basically, or should I say receiver mostly, and Odell Beckham. And obviously the running game for the Rams is working very nicely. Mike Zimmer and Clint Kubiak must, eh, no, they're not. Um, yeah, well, whatever it is, it's 21 nothing. Rams with two minutes remaining in the first half. So I think there's a pretty good chance the Los Angeles Rams heading to Tampa next week, but we'll get to that last gradually here. The uh, We'll open things up with Cincinnati and Las Vegas. 
yeah, it was what it was. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm very happy to see Cincinnati finally uh, advance out of the first round for the first time since 1991. Forever. For the last few years, I've been saying and repeating and repeating and repeating 1988. And I completely blanked and forgot about the uh, victory over the Houston Houston Oilers, not the Texans, the Houston Oilers, the real team, which is now the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Cincinnati won that game actually pretty handily back in 91. So my apologies, my very sincere apologies about that. I've been wrong all this time. It's just, uh, it's kind of nondescript, but I mean, yep, that was a good good Houston team. I guess a better Cincinnati team as they took care of business and won that. Either way, it's been 30 years. So 30 years is 30 years, 31 years, 30 years. It's been a long Long, long time. Cincinnati and Vegas, both 10 and 7 on the season. It looked through most of the game that Vegas was the better club, but, or excuse me, Cincinnati was the better club most of the way. It was fun to watch in that sense. It's nice to see some hope in Cincinnati at long last. Joe Burrow certainly looked like the sharper quarterback, but Derek Carr has a reputation to be very, very clutch in the fourth quarter, particularly when behind. He wound up with 310 yards as he did attempt 54 passes. We'll see what happens with the Vegas coaching situation. But uh, maybe, maybe uh, the team has, it was very streaky this year, of course. A great start to the season. Things got weird and all that. And, of course, uh, Gruden was fired with the uh, the email and all that such. The, uh, you know, the information on the email service thing, though. I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities of how that came out. It is what it is. Um, you know, uh, it's unfortunate. Skeletons in the closet and all that. We'll see what happens with John Gruden, if he coaches in the NFL again. But we're not here for that at the moment. Uh, again, Derek Carr and the Raiders. It looked like most of the game Cincinnati was going to win, but it's like, hey, don't forget, Cincinnati always seems to find a way to lose these games. And they did let Oakland back in it. Or I keep calling them Oakland. Las Vegas back in the game. Vegas would drive. Vegas would have more opportunities. But the Cincinnati defense held up at the last minute there, similar to San Francisco. We'll get to that later. That's a foreshadowing. But the uh, Cincinnati Bengals finally win a game. Uh, Joe Burrow looked fantastic. Jamar Chase is the Justin Jefferson of the AFC, the Justin Jefferson of the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. What a great team that was. would be nice to see Joe Burrow with Justin Jefferson. I'm sure Justin Jefferson, as I've said his name like 50 times now, would like uh, to be with Joe Burrow again. It works. Hey, it works. And good quarterback, good receiver, enough offensive line protection, it makes a difference. And Joe Burrow, you know, he's gotten healthier and stronger during the course of the season. And good for him, 70% completion percentage, quarterback rating of 110, two touchdowns and did not turn the ball over, was only sacked twice, did a hell of a job. Cincinnati finally advances, but, well, we'll see what happens next week. Buffalo, New England, that was um, that was uh, Buffalo, New England. It was just the Buffalo Bills showed up to play, and the New England Patriots did not. Yeah. I mean, that's all there is to say, right? Buffalo was 11-6 and six on the season. New England 10-7. and seven. Patriots promising and all that, but Buffalo just kind of kept playing and kicking butt. They were up 27 to nothing. Now, remember, they were the team that came back from uh, 32 down years ago against the Houston Oilers and won and went to their, uh, I believe that was the fourth, no, third straight Super Bowl where they got their asses handed to them by the Dallas Cowboys, much to my chagrin and others. I mean, screw the Cowboys, man. I would have totally rather see Buffalo. But I do think the first Buffalo team was by far the best, and they should have won that game. They should have won that game, and I'm going to keep saying that forever. 
that Bills team should have won that Super Bowl. They were the better team. The Giants just kind of, you know, held held their own. And then, um, well, they kind of held their own. <laughs> Buffalo had a golden opportunity to win it with a chip shot field goal, and he did a he did a Blair Walsh. You know, that's just all we got to say about that. Mac Jones just not as sharp. You know, first you know first season in the league, a rookie quarterback going up against a Buffalo Bills team that's. You know, well, a very, very damn good team that's been streaky all freaking season, kind of like the Raiders, even like Cincinnati a little bit. The loss to Cincinnati by the Vikings doesn't look as bad now, but I don't know. Everything looks bad with the Vikings when it comes to Zimmer and Spielman. We just made those names be moved on into uh, the void when it comes to the Vikings now. I got to be moved on and put to pasture, so to speak. Josh Allen was virtually perfect in the game, and he's going to need to be for the Buffalo Bills to keep uh, to keep their playoff run alive. Uh, damn good team. I hated what happened to them in the AFC title game last year, the way the Chiefs just handed it to them. It was so frustrating. But, my God. I mean, imagine if this was fantasy football. Five touchdown passes for Josh Allen. Devin Singletary also got in the end zone twice. It was a, it was a thorough butt-whooping. Hopefully Buffalo didn't use up all their magic in one worthless, well, semi-worthless wild card game, where the New England Patriots didn't score their 17th points, their you know their second touchdown of the game until like a minute and a half remaining or so, about two minutes remaining, so they'd only lose by 30, only lose by 30, 47 to 17. Buffalo looking good heading into Kansas City. Unfortunately, a rematch of the AFC Championship game. I hope it's not a repeat, but don't be surprised if it is. Kansas City versus Pittsburgh, and it's uh, adieu to our friend Ben Roethlisberger. Can't believe this team even made the postseason as pathetic as they looked coming into U.S. Bank Stadium just a few weeks back. Pathetic. Of course, the Vikings were pathetic as well in the second half, giving up a 29-point lead. Luckily, well, almost giving up a 29-point lead. But, um, yeah, miraculously, the uh, play was, the ball was batted away at the last second, preventing Pittsburgh from forcing overtime on the final play of the game. Can you imagine? Potentially, as long as they made their extra point anyway. Um, or if they tried to do a Mike Tice go for two and win the game on the road. Which would be pretty crazy. Looks like I'm seeing Kyler. Yeah, Kyler Murray. Yeah. Undo his chin strap again every single time. Every single time. That's just how it is. They just, yeah, that's what kind of night it has been for Arizona so far. I think we're going to be seeing that all night with Arizona. It's just not going to happen. They're going to be like the Patriots, basically. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be one of those days. Maybe like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe they'll score a couple points. I don't know. They might get shut out by that Rams uh, defense. Pittsburgh basically got doubled up 42-21 to 21 in the game. It was boring. It was just, you know, this is one of those games where they say, this is what we don't like about, um, this is what we don't like about preseason football. It was low scoring in the first half, that's for sure. Obviously, the um First quarter, like nobody, nobody scored whatsoever. A bit of a defensive battle, and then Kansas City has a has a, a crucial turnover that winds up with the uh, recovery for T.J. Watt. Tada, 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 tada. T.J. Watt recovered the fumble and ran it 26 yards into the end zone. So if Pittsburgh's not going to score with their offense. I guess they'll score with their defense to make it seven nothing. So that's like there was a little bit of hope for a second there. It would have been kind of funny, but yeah, I mean, what happened happened. You know, Kansas City. Had multiple touchdown drives in a row. In fact, three in a row, and then a fourth one to open the second half. It was just like, okay, all right, um, twenty twenty-eight to seven. So much for that, and that's kind of how the game ended up going. Thirty-five, God, unbelievable. Thirty-five, 
to seven. It just was like not Pittsburgh's night. They were just terrible. And Ben Roethlisberger's probably done. Obviously, you got to think it's it's time to go. It's time to retire. Time to move on. If he wants to quarterback the Vikings for a year, you know, like when he tried to try to coax Dan Marino to come and quarterback the Vikings before Dante took over, you know. But yeah, no, that was kind of a funny little cute idea. Didn't happen. Dan Marino won the last hurrah, but it didn't happen, of course. And <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger's not going to have a last hurrah. I think this was the last hurrah. But two Super Bowl championships, three conference championships total. Hell, you know, it's been a great career. I didn't always like him and all that such. But, you know, you grow respect for guys like this as they get later in their career. I'm similar to Aaron Rodgers in a lot of ways. I wanted both teams to get sucked into the X zone, quite frankly. I hate the Steelers and the Packers, but you know, when there was the Super Bowl, but two very, very classic teams that have been around forever and have had a lot of success, unfortunately, and um, that just was kind of the case at the time, but now all these years later, you respect the guys. I mean, it's been eons and eons that they've been in the NFL. Kansas City, there was really no doubt the entire game, unfortunately. Kansas City will host the Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Bills, so have to adjust some of the uh, uh, very little, but some, very little, but some of the predictions. You know, I finally don't pick Cincinnati to win, and they do. Doesn't that just figure? I always pick Cincinnati to win because I always thought they were a little better, and I was rooting for them as well in the past when they'd make the playoffs, you know, during the uh, Marvin Lewis era or whatever the heck it was. Well, Marvin Lewis, it's, yeah, it's been a while since Cincinnati's been in the postseason. Uh, got back in again, finally, and, well, they finally won a playoff game for the first time since the early 90s. Um, yeah, <laughs> Cincinnati heads to Tennessee. What's up, Tennessee? It's going to be a very, very, very tough matchup. It's not impossible. Joe Burrows has got to come out sharp, ready to rock and roll and utilize those, those uh, the weapons, especially DeMar Chase. I just think Tennessee's a little better. Obviously, they just make good with what they have. They do such a good job, and they earned that number one seed in the uh, NFC, maybe the or AFC, pardon me. Maybe they'll end up like the Denver Broncos, where... You know, they wind up with a number one seed. I'm like, Denver? Number one seed? Denver? Give me a break. They're not going to win anything. Denver Broncos, number one seed. And they won the Super Bowl. They, they, They beat the Patriots. I mean, home field means something in the postseason. It does. I mean, take a look at Arizona right now. Even though Arizona, has, you know, have won some nice road games late in the season, which made you have some hope for them. They look like crap, though. I mean, the, the playoffs are just a different animal. Uh, San Francisco was the only road team to get the job done this week. And a lot of people were picking San Francisco in that classic matchup. It's nice to see San Francisco beat Dallas because, you know, in the early 90s, San Francisco was done winning Super Bowls for uh, for a minute there anyway, until 94, thankfully. <laughs> it was just Dallas rolling all over. I mean, that was annoying to watch. I mean, God, that was, oh, it was disgusting. I hated it. But then good old 94 came and the 49ers hauled up that team. <laughs> that was awesome. Ah, let's get back to where we need to be. I do think Tennessee does beat the Cincinnati Bengals, unfortunately, and there is a chance, there is a real chance Tennessee might be the Denver Broncos of this year. They have such a good, it's just a well-run team. They just play, they just go out and play basketball, they just go out and play football and get the job done. I do think they beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Kansas City, Buffalo, I mean, I have to go with the Chiefs as much as I don't want to, and I did have them representing the AFC in the Super Bowl, and I still do right now. Maybe Tennessee will have something to say about it. Maybe Buffalo will have something to say about it. But 
I, I hope it's nothing like last year's AFC Championship game. It was very depressing. The way Buffalo got, just got absolutely shellacked by Kansas City. I hope Buffalo shows up to play and maybe just might pull this thing off. It's not going to be easy. Um, obviously, legendary coach and Bill Belichick, they really made mincemeat out of that defense. Can they do it with Kansas City? A defense that's, you know, it's it's been but don't break. And obviously, but there's just so much freaking talent on that offense and best quarterback in the league. And, you know, and gosh, it, it, it's going to be a State Farm Bowl, isn't it? I think so. It's probably going to be a State Farm Bowl. I'm still sticking with that, if you can't tell at the moment, even though Tampa looks good. We'll, we'll see what happens, though. Hope, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of us would rather see San Francisco, Tampa, or L.A. in the Super Bowl versus the Green Bay Packers, but we'll see what happens. I wouldn't mind seeing the Rams make it, maybe actually win the darn thing finally as Los Angeles, but uh, I'll get back to that in a minute. I don't know. Kansas City wins and represents the AFC. Unfortunately, they would beat Tennessee. I'm so it's like it's updated predictions, of course, with uh, the Vegas Raiders out versus Cincinnati, but it's going to be the same result anyway. Like I was basically saying whoever wins between Cincinnati or Vegas ultimately is done, I think, but maybe not. Go Cincinnati. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, Philly and Tampa. Philly and Tampa, the early game on Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, in the NFC, Tampa Bay got off to a huge lead over Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts was hurting. He just wasn't good. Yeah, he was hurting. I know. It, it wasn't a good day, kind of like Kyler Murray right now. You know, it was similar that way. This game is similar. Uh, maybe Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals get a couple points as the game progresses, but it's not going to matter. I think that just like the Rams will build up a big enough lead that it won't matter. Tampa Bay was up 31-0. to zero. Um fairly late in the third quarter there, and then Philadelphia finally scored with, uh, you know, fairly early in the fourth quarter, but, I mean, 31 nothing. You're, you're toast. You're not going to beat Tampa Bay. You're toast. I mean, at least Buffalo was at home when they mounted their huge comeback. Ryan Suckup is a, you know, he's one of the great kickers. I, I like what he can do. He's a former chief, which is kind of funny, but um, I don't know. Jake Elliott's got, I don't know. Yeah, he got one extra point attempt, and that's it. But yeah, Jalen Hurts, yep, you had the turnovers and all that stuff, and Tampa Bay's fantastic defense, and Todd Bowles, maybe he's the future Viking coach, or somebody's coach at the end of the day. Antoine Winfield Jr., former Minnesota golfer, and of course, you know, son of Minnesota Vikings legend, we can say. Antoine Winfield Sr., or Antoine Winfield. Yeah. Oh, man, I miss that guy so much. What Wasn't he the best Absolutely miss Antoine Winfield, the real, the real deal. <laughs> he was awesome. Um, it's an aging defense, but it's a fantastic defense. Not Antoine Winfield's aging, but some of the other guys like Jason, Pierre, Paul, and Dominican Sue. Obviously, they're aging, but still super, super duper talented. Dominican Sue was on that Rams team that lost to the Patriots. Remember, a few years back. So we'll, we'll see. Obviously, the Rams have a fantastic pass rush, and they'll be an interesting team going forward into Tampa, most likely. Tampa Bay winning comfortably over the Philadelphia Eagles. Tom Brady hitting his targets like he has wanted to do. Mike Evans is, is the number one guy, no question about it. Hopefully he doesn't make the weird, dumb mistakes like he did last year <laughs> and wound up not being a guy that was a, a factor in the later stages. As Brady was losing confidence in him for a little bit there, you could kind of tell. 
Uh, you got Tyler Johnson, though. Tyler Johnson's definitely got some opportunities now. Only two catches for 30 yards. But Tyler Johnson's going to be a factor, I think, for Tampa Bay if they go on to win another Super Bowl. Of course, Gronk will be as well. <clears throat> he was able to get in the end zone. But Mike Evans, definitely the star guy with 10 targets, 9 catches, 117, and a TD for the well rounded offense of the Tampa Bay Bucks. They had two rushing touchdowns as well with Kishan Vaughn and Giovanni. 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 Giovanni Bernard. Yes, got in the end zone. Tampa rolls forward to hopefully defend, in, in their case anyway, defend the Super Bowl. I wouldn't mind seeing Tampa Bay win again. Tampa, as people call it. San Francisco versus Dallas. All the opportunity in the world for the Dallas Cowboys to come back and win this game. But, um, well, you know, we, well, it was opportunities that shouldn't have been there. And, of course, you'll hear from Sebastian. It was a bit like, what the heck, man, on Twitter. We'll get to that shortly with fan interaction. Uh, might want to load that up, though. That would be kind of smart, wouldn't it? <laughs> might want to load stuff up, right, Joey? Right, 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 right? Okay, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> it is going to be one segment this time around. Okie dokie. Well, at least it's kind of loaded now. We'll get back to that shortly. Uh, that's the wrong game. San Francisco with the win on the road. Pretty much everybody was picking San Francisco to win. They were going to be the only road team to get it done uh, in the wild card. And it's probably going to be that way. I don't think Arizona's going to come back and beat the Rams. I wish. But I do love, I absolutely love that royal blue with the yellow. I think it's beautiful. I'm so glad they didn't, you know, stick with that look they had in St. Louis. It was boring. I didn't like it at all. I, I just didn't like it. I like the Rams' classic colors, you know, even though they modernized it, but they brought the, but they brought the classic colors. The logo's a little weird, but it works. Uh, it is what it is. As, uh, yeah, just I love that royal blue look. How it's all over the arena and all that. It's, you know, that's the L.A. Rams to me. That is the Los Angeles Rams. But let's get back to that in a minute. San Francisco and Dallas. I mean, it brings me back to the early 90s. All those matchups uh, in the 80s as well. And all the way back to 1981, the Dwight Clark catch. Obviously versus the Dallas Cowboys with the 49ers with a very young quarterback. The Tom Brady of the era, Joe Montana. <laughs> with the win over the Dallas Cowboys on the final play of the game. Dak Prescott was a bit of a mess. Jimmy Garoppolo was nothing special. They were all, Garoppolo and Prescott were both kind of like Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. Neither one of them really wanted to take over and get the job done. Eli Mitchell did, though. He did a heck of a job on the ground. San Francisco trying their best there to get that going. Dallas couldn't get a whole lot going, though, on the ground. Um, and even though they tried to force it a little bit, Brandon Ayuk had some big catches fairly early. And then it's just, you know, things started to sputter. The offense for San Francisco started to sputter as the game progressed, which was frustrating a bit. San Francisco's defense looks great. And, of course, he's one of the coaching candidates for the Minnesota Vikings, the uh, defensive coordinator anyway, for the San Francisco 49ers. What is this doing here? Weird. I have no idea what this picture is doing here. But, um, yeah, Amazon, uh, that's not related to anything, but some kind of weird thing. I thought it was like a, an order or something. Nick Bosa banged up in the game. Uh, somebody accidentally uh, kicked him, kicked his helmet as he was going down. And, well, that's just how that goes. As there's just all those scrums, all those players kind of bumping into each other. And that could have led to possibly to a concussion with Nick Bosa. That's unfortunate. We'll see with his health going forward. They're going to need him. No question about it. But that Dallas 
the overall the overall like inconsistency of this Dallas offense as great as it is it does make you wonder and it does question people's uh you know it does question Kellen Moore a little bit some of the decision making down the stretch San Francisco did almost choke it away yes but then Kellen Moore decides to run the ball up the up, up the gut with 14 seconds remaining Cowboys down by seven with no timeouts made a, a little to no sense and nobody's understanding that and Dak Prescott's unwillingness to call an audible in that situation which he probably should have um, it was, I, I don't know I, I just don't know what that was it was really strange it was a really odd situation you definitely can't blame the referee because the ball's supposed to go to the referee some of us may forget that even myself uh, not that I'm this genius. Yeah, I like that stuff. I'm going to forget sometimes that yeah, the ball does need to go back to the referee before the uh, the play can can, uh, can get set. But the clock keeps moving because you were tackled in bounds. Um, of course, Jack Prescott was able to pick up a decent amount of yards in that situation, but what good are those yards if it's not in the end zone uh, and you're nowhere near the end zone and the clock's still running? What good was that? What did that accomplish? Exactly. I accomplished absolutely nothing. And the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas freaking Cowboys, are golfing. They're golfing or fishing or whatever the heck. I don't know what the heck. One way or another, they're done. Dallas Cowboys are done. San Francisco moves on to reignite the old rivalry. The rivalry that's been building up since the 90s. God. Um... Going back into the 90s, it seemed like Green Bay dominated San Francisco, just like Dallas did for a while, other than 94. 94 was the year of the 49ers, and since then, they haven't won a Super Bowl, unfortunately. Um, but they still have five to, to their name, which is, more than, uh, which is more than Green Bay and tied with Dallas. At least somebody's got more Super Bowls than Green Bay, right? No, <laughs> a couple teams do. Patriots, Steelers, uh, and 49ers and Cowboys. Okay. Not that many, unfortunately. Not, not enough. Um... Jeez, it's people are kind of weird. Um, San Francisco 49ers, though, I mean, heading to Green Bay, that's going to be a interesting, interesting matchup. San Francisco owned Green Bay in the, uh, the, the Colin Kaepernick here. I'm getting distracted with some weird sounds I'm hearing around this apartment. The worst insulation ever. Don't move to this place. <laughs> Sound insulation. You could hear anything. Um, San Francisco was dominant over Green Bay within the Colin Kaepernick era. Green Bay dominant over San Francisco in the Brett Favre era. Now, you, and of course, Rodgers was the quarterback during the Kaepernick era. So we'll see what happens. Will San Francisco pull off another crazy upset here? Uh, Caroppolo is the kind of quarterback, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, he had a sprained shoulder versus the Cowboys. He's not expected to miss time, so that's good. Uh, at least for that. So at least you get your starting quarterback out there. Boy, it's going to be interesting. This is Green Bay's first game. Obviously, just like Tennessee's first game, I do think they beat Cincinnati. Green Bay should win this game, but I don't know. Uh, San Francisco has owned Green Bay because, remember, they did beat Green Bay in the uh, NFC Championship game just a couple years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. San Francisco has just generally owned Green Bay uh, since, since Colin Kaepernick and now in the Garoppolo area as well. So... Can we pick a crazy upset, just like the New York Giants years ago? San Francisco can absolutely win this game, but I am going to stick to my guns because Aaron Rodgers is having that magical season. We'll see if it all goes up in smoke. 
because you never know. The San Francisco defense is very good, uh, running back by committee. And Jimmy Garoppolo, it, it is not a secret out there. Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan are a winning duo. Regardless, if it's not the prettiest thing you ever saw, they just win games. They win games. I mean, there's a reason why they got to the Super Bowl a few years ago. It's because they were, it was a damn good team all around. Poor Jarek McKinnon. Like, he's like never going to play again. And that's sad. I mean, I like Jarek McKinnon, man. Goes to San Francisco and gets hurt right away. Ugh. Joined that little running back committee. It could have been interesting, but it just didn't happen. Green Bay will advance to the NFC Championship game, is my belief. But if anybody's going to knock off Green, well, it could be either team. There's one team that won't knock off Green Bay, and I think that's the Rams. The Rams will not beat Green Bay if somehow they get past Tampa and say Green Bay is waiting in the NFC title game, which I think most people would expect. Uh, this is this 49ers team is definitely not as good as they were when they went to the Super Bowl three years ago. That Packers team was a, a little bit overrated at the time. But man, think about it. Chiefs and Packers are going to go back to the... Uh, that was 2019. Yeah, it was two years ago. Um, Chiefs and Packers, very possible that they will be in their third consecutive NFC Championship or, you know, Conference Final Championship Sunday. It's going to be crazy if that ends up happening. Um, I do think Tampa Bay would beat Arizona, obviously, or the LA Rams. I think Tampa Bay should be heavily favored in that game. As good as this Rams team is, it's, it's unbelievable pass rush. Their running game is absolutely great. Um, but, I mean, there's no question about it that, uh, well, as good as he's been statistically and everything throughout his career, that uh, Matthew Stafford, well, I, he's never won a playoff game. He's finally going to win one against the Cardinals team that's just not good. Yep, they're driving right now, and you got Peyton and uh, Eli. Uh, I have that version on right now. Completion to Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup has not been involved much in this game so far. That was his second catch of the game. He had one catch for five yards. That's the third target of the game. But um, Matthew Stafford, I keep wanting to call him Sam Bradford. I don't know what's wrong with me, but Matthew Stafford, who also played for the, uh, yeah, Sam Bradford did play for the Rams. He was the number one overall pick. But <laughs> terrible coach at the time. Jeff Fisher sucks. Jeff Fisher sucks, of course. I guess he did help the Titans get to the Super Bowl, but maybe they got there in spite of him. That was a really nice team. Awesome team. McNair and Eddie George and all those guys. That was a great team. Uh, but they didn't win a Super Bowl, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, Sony Michelle, Cam Akers, it's just a really nice combination. Even Henderson has been valuable, but he's not playing tonight or he's not been being utilized tonight at all. Von Miller, what a great defense. Aaron Donald's an MVP type of guy. Jalen Ramsey, he's an arrogant SUB, SOB, but, both, but receivers and cornerbacks throughout the league are that way. Uh, it's going to be a nice matchup with Tampa because it is going to happen. I think the Rams, they just scored again, yeah. 27 nothing, and you got the extra point coming. Yeah, it's it's over. Good night. Yeah, Arizona's got no chance. Uh, so even though the game's not over, who cares? Why would I wait all night for the game to end? Like, seriously. Seriously, like, why would I wait? Why would I wait? Um, the only reason I'd wait is so I could listen to uh, the Mannings because it, it, it's fun, but unfortunately it's on silent now. What is, what is, what is Peyton Manning all happy about? He's got no, he's got no horse in the game, does he? <laughs> Peyton Manning, I think he's just having fun though. Um, <laughs> I do think the Rams have a chance to beat Tampa, Tampa Bay, but I think Tampa Bay will return 
to the NFC title game. You'll get a rematch. Green Bay wins this time, unfortunately. And I do think Green Bay still beats the, the uh, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I'm sticking to my guns. But possibly next week, it's going to be a completely, completely different ball game. But right now, I will stick to my guns. With that, let's get to fan interaction. Fan interaction. Yep, Green Bay will beat San Francisco and ultimately get to the Super Bowl and win it, regardless if I like it or not. Uh, there was a bit of, yeah, a bit of ongoing things here. Was there any posts? Nope, no posts. Uh, that's the Facebook page. I'll get to the Twitter first, at Purple Mafia Show. At Purple Mafia Show, want to take a thank, want to thank Tanae from New Zealand, Vince Germano from Australia, and Malcolm McSween from California for retweeting most recent episode 363 chasing mediocrity to the bitter end which is what exactly what it was Tanae Brown replying to Chad Graff yeah yep we'll see this on Facebook as well Eric Kendricks with yep Chad Graff um, Tanae Brown says wow because he wanted to get my attention there and yeah it's that was a big deal that was a big big deal today uh, Eric Kendricks, you just never expected to see this, but we're, we're learning a lot more now the last few days. Eric Hendricks, of course, very valuable linebacker for the Vikings, who actually might be let go in the offseason because of uh, salary cap situation, and he's becoming more and more banged up, a la Harrison Smith. Like one, or, one of those two guys is probably not going to be back. Too much of a cap hit. It just is what it is, along with a certain number eight uh, who probably shouldn't be back because the cap hit is absolutely nuts, with uh, for lack of a better word. Let's get to what Chad Graff said, as long as I've danced all over it. Eric Kendricks with some notable comments on the Vikings of late. Uh, on the Vikings of, of late under Mike Zimmer. Yep. Kendricks said there was some things, quote-unquote, there was some things that were left out there as far as our relationship. Later he added, I don't think a fear-based organization is the way to go. Uh-huh. Basically like, you are going to listen to me or else. Uh-huh. And yeah, it is bullcrap. Um, the more and more we learn about Mike Zimmer is bullcrap. PA's Paul Allen lately has been calling it chicken bleep. How everybody now, after the fact, is coming out and, and uh, piling on Zimmer and Spielman, especially Zimmer. He thinks it's chicken bleep. It kind of is what it is, but maybe that's what it was, a fear-based organization. You can't really say a whole lot while he's still the head coach. But there was there has been all kinds of indicators that this team wanted him the heck out of there. They wanted him out of there. Uh, Thielen wanted him out of there. You could tell, like, the Asians and everything. Um, Kirk Cousins' dad liking tweets of people saying, fire Zimmer now, basically. And the next thing you know, um, there's uh, Don Cousins, who I like very much, by the way. He was on Faith and Goal. Major shout-out to that from Paul Allen. Nice to hear Paul Allen uh, with his Christian podcast. Love it, love it very much. Um, Don Cousins, who's a pastor in Orlando, Florida, Doing something I wouldn't think is becoming of a pastor, <laughs> liking, but you know, liking the tweets of uh, his his son's boss getting fired, like people calling for his son's boss to get fired. Pretty crazy, but uh, well, it kind of is what it is, huh? Sorry for the noise there. I had to, I had to make a little adjustment with the sound here. Danae Browns is happy for them. The Burrow and Chase combo is what the Vikings can't find for Jefferson. Yeah, or can find for something is what I hope the Vikings can find for Jefferson soon. I messed that up so bad, and I'm really sorry, Tanae. 
Yep, yeah, we'd like to have that happen. I was saying Cincinnati Bengals win a playoff game for the first time since 1988, which, of course, is an incorrect number. It's 91. They beat the Houston Oilers that year. And I apologize to Tanae and many others for screwing that up over and over and over. I hope you guys don't hate me too much. But at the end of the day, have you ever heard of the 91 Cincinnati Bengals or the Houston Oilers? I mean, that's kind of why the 1988 Bengals went all the way to the Super Bowl. And, you know, if not for Joe Montana's unbelievable drive at the end of the game, Cincinnati would have had at least one Super Bowl to their name. But they joined us in the woulda, coulda, shoulda crowd, unfortunately. Um, that one guy responded with, that guy has to be Sam Howell. Who's that? What about that one guy? Okay, I see what you mean. The quarterback, right? The quarterback, Sam Howell. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Sounds good, uh, that one guy. I appreciate that very much. It's an idea. I'll, I'll give you a follow back. Let's say he follows me. I'll give him a follow back. Interesting. Interesting, Sam. Uh, or Sam, that one guy. Sam Howell is the quarterback that he is uh, hoping uh, will join Jefferson in the not-too-distant future. Black space, that being Sebastian Bart commenting about the San Francisco game. He was saying if the 49ers choke this away, this will be the most Vikings football thing that could happen in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. But luckily they didn't. Maybe it is Vikings football-like with the uh, <laughs> Detroit Lions. We stopped them and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We stopped them. Yes, we stopped them. <clears throat> I think San Francisco's Vikings football clone could be getting their butts kicked next week, which could happen. Like, that's the Vikings. Like, yes, we pulled it off. It's a Minneapolis miracle. Or, you know, or, you know, like the great play that led to the touchdown, you know, led us into overtime and ultimately the uh, Kyle Rudolph touchdown in New Orleans, only to get our butts kicked by San Francisco the next week. And then the Minneapolis miracle two years earlier, only to get our butts kicked in Philadelphia. It's just, that's a Minnesota thing as well. So we'll see. There's still a possibility that could extend into next week. The Vikings football thing that we're uh, both kind of sad and frustrated about for many years. At Purple Mafia Show, do give that a follow and a comment away. I'd love to hear from you. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Before I get to that, I'll bring up the Vigit application, the Vigit application. I better do it now. V-I-G-I-T. It's two separate words. Vigit for Android and Apple devices, of course. you got to think it's going to be on both. It's basically fantasy, fantasy sports betting. It's a lot of fun. Social media for sports bettors. You can post about your picks, see what others are saying about games. Vigit Betting League is a month-long betting competition to see who the best sports bettor is over the course of a month. Free-to-play sportsbook. Bet free coins, win real prizes, which is similar to the uh, NBC Predictor, you know, where you can actually win real prizes without investing anything, which is pretty cool. Betting stats. There's great information available on the Vigit Lifeline movement where the public is betting. Again, it's not real money wagering, but... But you can win real prizes. You can win real prizes. And, of course, you can also use uh, the actual information, like they're talking about line movements and such. You can use that for anything, for, like, real betting or whatever, because then you can see the how it's, like, real time and keeping up with how bets change and such. It's kind of cool. So highly recommend it. Let's uh, move on now. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. <sighs> Well, okay, this is apparently the Minnesota Vikings um, response, or the Minnesota Vikings statement on the uh, the firings. 
We appreciate Rick and Mike's commitment to the team's on-field success, their passion for making a positive impact in our community, and their dedication to players, coaches, and staff, the Wilfs said in the statement. While these decisions are not easy, we believe it is time for, for new leadership to, <laughs> to elevate our team so we can consistently contend for championships. I would love to hear that. Uh, the Wilfs say they will begin a comp- comprehensive search for the next general manager and head coach immediately. They'll be led internally. Um, yeah, so we'll move on from that. Was there any comments? No. So let's just quickly move on from that. Yep, and then Eric Hendricks about uh, talking about, I don't think a fear-based organization is the way to go. Unbelievably, nobody responded to that. People liked it, but didn't respond. Strange. You'd think people would respond to that one. Interesting. Um, here's another one, ESPN. It's a little article. Graziano says, interesting. The first I thought, ha- the first thought I had upon reading that was Jim Caldwell because he's from the Tony Dungy tree, and Dungy had su- such a reputation as a positive reinforcement guy. I do think Eric Bieniemy gets a look here. This is the Vikings as his first pro coaching experience was on the Minnesota Vikings staff from 2006 to 10. But yeah, as you said, this one's tough to get a handle on right now because they do seem to be incredibly early in their candidate sorting process. Fowler responds with yes, or yep, Wednesday should create some traction, as I expect Minnesota to start requesting interviews for GMs and head coach. I'm expecting Nathaniel Hackett and Doug Peterson to be on the early list, but nothing is finalized yet. Um, Shoot, shoot. Yeah, Doug Peterson, yeah, they didn't even mention him in that list of seven coaches, which is interesting. But, uh, yeah, that is a guy who still should be in play. Doug Peterson's a guy I'd be interested in with all the veteran coaches, much more than a Dan Quinn. In my opinion, there were responses here, at least a few. It's doggone it. All not most relevant. Gerald Strings uh, was saying, as head water boy, yeah, as head, no, that's not Gerald String. I'll go back. Um, Shelby Lund says, Hope they get an offensive-minded coach. I would love to see them dump Cousins and go after Easton. uh, Easton stick from the Chargers. Not flashy, but kind of uh, uh, get-her-done type of guy. Well, get-her-done is a good thing, so we'll see. Sounds interesting, Shelby. Gerald Swing says Jim Harbaugh first choice. Doug Peterson second. Sweep sleeping with Biennemi third. Sleeping with Biennemi, huh? And Gerald's... uh, Leander Scheifler says... He's responding to Gerald Swing. He says, as head water boy, if, if Adam S. isn't available. Interesting. Yep, Adam Sandler. That's who Adam S. most likely is, right? Interesting. <laughs> oh, we'll move on to the wild card group here. The wild card thread. I'll, I'll try to be more active next week. The wild card week is usually not as good. The divisional round is about as good as it gets. You still get a ton of games, and they're usually a lot more dramatic. Like this, just look, just look at this right now. Okay, you're not seeing it, but you know, 28-0. But the Cardinals are finally threatening with four and a half minutes remaining in the third quarter. I think I made a good decision just getting on with this because, well, this show needs to get done. I can't be up all night. Yeah, especially with the somebody upstairs that would bitch and moan if I dared making any even the smallest sound ever so we'll keep moving um, I was saying it's unfortunate oh, there's always mismatches in the first round absolutely love the Royal Blue in Los Angeles even though I don't like the team very much they could easily be a Super Bowl contender but I just don't see them beating Tampa Bay 
Yep, they easily could be a Super Bowl contender because they're so good everywhere. They have good receivers, good running backs. Their offensive line holds it up. Uh, Matthew Stafford is very talented. Uh, obviously, their defensive line is insane. Their secondary is great. Their linebackers are good. You know, I mean, there is no reason why the L.A. Rams can't be a championship contender. I just don't think they will be. <laughs> and I was saying how Cincinnati won their first game since 1988, but of course, not true. 1991. Mark Carlson takes over, and I mean takes over, him and Jeff Froyland. Iowa rules the Purple Mafia <laughs> on the Facebook page right now. Mark Carlson says, okay, now I have the correct game. Eagles and Bucks on. Last night, I didn't realize the NFL Network had a re- replay from the Week 5 matchup between these teams. Yeah, I was thinking, why are the Eagles and Bucks on? They're not playing tonight. <laughs> Crazy to think the Eagles are a playoff team. Yeah, see, it's teams like the Eagles and the Steelers. They didn't belong there. Sorry to the state of Pennsylvania. Yep, uh, Mark Carlson was saying, anyway, skull, my friends. Yeah, that's where the seventh seed is just a waste. It's a waste. Oh, yay, they made the playoffs. Yeah, that, but they suck. The Eagles and Steelers were garbage. And again, I apologize to the state of Pennsylvania, but then again, maybe I don't, and I'll leave the reason why to myself. <laughs> Mark might have an idea why. Mark says, here we go. The game's out in the shop with a chainsaw. As they work on a chainsaw, he's working maybe in the garage. That looks like such a nice setup. Oh, Mark, I envy you. That looks awesome. Mark from Iowa. Mark, the legendary Mark Carlson. Oh, man, I would like that. A lot better than being in an apartment where you can hear some, anytime somebody sneezes, you, you can hear it. It's pretty ridiculous. Mark Carlson says uh, another one again. And that was quite a game between the Bengals and the Raiders. It was, wasn't it? It wasn't the greatest, but it got better as the game progressed. It was one of the actual close games. It wasn't like another one of these boring blowouts, you know, like where you just know in the second quarter who's going to win the game. Maybe even the first in some cases like the Tampa Bay game, like, duh, <laughs> duh, <laughs> Kansas City game, too. Well, no, actually, you didn't. But, yeah, you knew Kansas City was going to win anyway. That game was actually low scoring at the beginning, if you can believe it. Let's get back to what Mark said. I'll start over because I'm an idiot. And that was quite a game between the Bengals and the Raiders. And I have to say how weird it is to see the Bengals in a playoff game and the Vikings out weeks before the end of the season. We aren't even contenders as the team was assembled and played this year. But I do feel the winds of change reference the song by the Scorpions. Yep, cool. A song that will always remind me of the hope I had when the Berlin Wall fell and when I was on active duty. Yep, so back in 89, the wall is gone. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Did I do an okay uh, Ronald Reagan there? Tear down this wall. <laughs> Mark Carlson continues saying there is major a major fire in Tampa Bay this afternoon, folks. Major fire. There sure was, and then they kind of relaxed afterward, but because Philadelphia wasn't even serious. And Mark says that fire must have spread from Florida to Kansas City. The Chiefs are not playing around. No, they weren't. Jeff Froyland will wrap up this section, both from Iowa, Mark and Jeff. Jeff says... If any Minnesota fans still want Kellen Moore as the new coach after that play, they can jump ship. What a stupid play call. It is very concerning, isn't it, Jeff? That was bad. That was really bad. Um, Matthew Hackett. I just called him Matthew Hackett. That's a goaltender who didn't work out for the Wyatt. Nathaniel Hackett. I'm never going to get Matthew Hackett out of my head. Watch, as the Minnesota Vikings introduce Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach, which I 
am supporting. I support that decision if that ends up being the case. Watch me call him Matthew Hackett about 50 times between now and like uh, maybe, you know, like sometime next preseason or something. Matthew Hackett, uh, uh, oh, sorry, that was the wild goaltender that didn't make it. I uh, was traded for Jason Pominville, I believe, to the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, my God, the, the Wilds got lucky in that one. Because uh, Pominville ended up being, after one really good year, he ended up being expensive and, and mediocre after that. That's about as Minnesota as it gets. Like every pitcher of the Twins sign, like Louis, like Phil Hughes, great, great first season here. You know, just a one, just a one little quick one-year thing, and he's just awesome. You sign him, and he's hurt all the time, and he's not good anymore, and he's expensive. Um, Pominville was okay after that. At least he lasted about two years before the contract started becoming a huge waste. But when you consider the two guys that were traded that were once considered big prospects in the wild system, how they did literally nothing. Wow. One became a fourth liner who scores about eight, you know, a combination of eight when it comes to goals and assists. It's called points, of course, in hockey, for those of you that don't follow it. Though I think a lot of you know that already, but just in case you don't, about eight points a season, even though he's always in the NHL. He's in the NHL, but he sucks. That's Johan Larsen and then Matthew Hackett did absolutely nothing. Okay, I think that's enough. I think I think you think I'm weird now. And if you don't, thank you for not thinking I'm weird. Wow, an hour and 20 minutes. I can't believe it was that long, but at least I don't have my wife breathing down my neck, furious at the moment. Maybe that's why I'm going longer, kind of enjoying this. So with that said, I will now uh, bid you guys adieu. I got the, uh, got the plug-in. You can also... Click the link for crypto.com. You could be a, ref- uh, I would be a referral. Then we each get, uh, I'd get a percentage, and you would get twenty-five dollars in your account to start things off. If you uh, put me as a referral, so there you go. Uh, final thing, please do write a positive rating for Purple Mafia on iTunes, Audible, or Stitcher. Would greatly appreciate it. Thank you in advance for some of you might do that. iTunes or Apple Podcasts is what it really is nowadays. Uh, also, I guess there is one final thing I lied. Please call into the show if you could, like uh, Gerald has, like uh, Dave Martin has, Mark Carlson has. It's been a long time. Dave Hickey used to a long time ago. I miss hearing from you. Hope you call in again, Dave. Malcolm McSween out of California. Call in again. Love to hear from you at 10A. Awesome call in recently. My goodness, that was good. <laughs> My goodness, that was good. Yeah. Well, it was. It was awesome. And hey, Joe Q, Minnesota Vikings fan I've never met before that's been listening for many years. Call in. Love to hear from you. Just leave your name and where you're from if you'd like. Like, I'm Joe from Joey from Golden Valley, Minnesota, or just Joey from Minnesota. Would love to hear from you. God bless you. Uh, We'll talk to you in a week. And go Tampa? Go Buffalo? Yeah, that'd be cool.